This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. It's uh, good to join you this morning and um, happy to have the show that we're going to have today. Great to welcome uh, Cassandra Welchin, who is the executive director and co-convener of the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. Ms. Um, Welchin, could you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in setting up the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable? Hi, thank you so much for having me um, this morning. Um, so the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable, well, I'll start with, with who I am. I am native of Jackson, uh, Mississippi. Uh, grew up right here, went to Bailey Magna. Yay, Bailey, which is no longer high school right now. <laughs> um, I went to Jackson State University and majored in social work. And I am a licensed social worker um, as well. And then I transitioned and went over to um, get my master's at Brandeis University at the Heller School for Social Policy and Management and, um, and majored in sustainable international development. And, um, and I've always just really have had um, a heart for, for justice, and it really comes out of my own experience um, growing up with a single mom who um, worked actually for the state. Um, she was a maid at the Wolf Folk Building. And um, I always say that she's my story and I'm her story. And her story actually taught me what um, justice was. And my grandmother's story taught me what social, uh, what service was. My mother, single mother, working at the Wolf Folk Building, um, making $2.13. But she used to have to take me to work with her. And she would um, actually have to hide me in the utility closet in the Wolf Folk Building. And, um, and I would be in there with her colleague, and she would go out and do her chores, you know, clean the toilets, mop the floors, um, all of those things. And she would come back in, and I just remember us playing patty cake and um, us just playing all these great games. And then the colleague would exchange back with her. Well, what I didn't know was that that was my child care story. And because she didn't make enough money to send me to um, a child care center. And, um, and that, was my, that was my story. Um, that was my child care. And, and what's unique about this is that she had an opportunity. Um, she worked right across the street from the seat of power, which was the Capitol. And that seat of power had the opportunity to actually write a bill to increase her wages. 
um, so that she could have enough resources so that she could pay for child care and do all the other things that are necessary to take care of her family. And, um, and now I have the unique opportunity um, to right those wrongs and to advocate um, so that women would be able to have the resources that they need in order to take care of their families and their communities. And so um, that is my, my passion and my heart is to really work in, in the social justice field to really make sure that women's economic security is secured and using, and, and, and using the policy table because the policy table should reflect the kitchen tables of families. And so um, that is what I do and how I do the work in the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable actually has been in existence um, in the state of Mississippi for over 15 years. Um, it is a part of a national organization called the National Black Women's Roundtable, um, led by Melanie Campbell. And um, there are about nine affiliates across the country, maybe 12 affiliates across the country, and most of them are situated in the South. And I was asked if I would um, take the ham of the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable, given the work that I was doing um, around all the social justice work that I've been doing over the course of my career, um, to really take it and lead it and really center black women and build a movement in the state of Mississippi um, to um, galvanize black women to really um, impact public policy and to take their power to the voting booth. And so we have three programs of work. Um, policy advocacy, which is our Mississippi Women's Economic Security Initiative, which is what we're getting to today about all the policy work that we're working on around economic justice issues to help make families secure. Um, the other program of work um, is civic engagement. We know that um, civic engagement is a part of our democracy and making sure that people's rights to vote is secure. And so we make sure that we do that um, Again, by equipping, you know, women and communities to exercise their rights to vote. And then the last um, program of work is our transformational leadership. Um, it is important that we are equipping, you know, women, um, particularly black women and black girls, with the necessary skills and giving them opportunities so that they can exercise their power. Um, so, again, to impact change and to shift power at the voting booth and at the policy table. Well, that's a, that's a great introduction, and, and um, you know, we're grateful that you brought uh, Attorney Jennifer Riley Collins with you as well, um, who's been involved with the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. Could you please introduce her? Yes, so Jennifer uh, Riley Collins is um, is definitely a co-laborer with me and has been for quite some time, um, really over 15 years. Uh, we've been working on the social justice field. And um, and Jennifer has been a part of the work that we've been doing um, since we um, since we launched the um, Black Women's Roundtable and the Mississippi Women's Economic Security Initiative in 2014. And um, she's a part of she's a part of the coalition, and um, and she's just been a laborer with us. Um, she's an attorney, and she's going to give you a little bit more information about who she is. But she's an attorney. She's a strategist. Um, and she's just really an incredible partner to really help us move the needle on equity and racial justice um, in the state of Mississippi. So, Jennifer. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to join um, 
uh, Cassandra did not share that I am the uh, owner and principal uh, consultant at J. Riley Collins Consulting, um, where uh, we've kind of pulled it together uh, in one little synopsis that says we are uh, helping pe good people do good. Uh, Mississippi is home for me, just as, as it is Cassandra. Um, I grew up um, very much like Cassandra uh, in a family that uh, probably met the definition of poverty here in the state of Mississippi. Uh, the uh, seventh child of a uh, woman who was at the time a, a maid and uh, a gentleman who was a truck driver. And so, um, you know, because of our upbringing, um, uh, I, you know, am proud to come alongside organizations like the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable to help uh, move the needle forward uh, for those who uh, don't have voice. Well, it's great to have you join us. And uh, and uh, you uh, used to be the uh, county administrator for Hines County, um, so you've got uh, experience in government as well uh, as, as law practice. And I know that uh, that's helpful to uh, the work of the roundtable. Um, your coalition, uh, both uh, Cassandra and uh, Jennifer, has been successful in, in moving forward a lot of changes. You, you mentioned, for example, um, pay equity and child care. We can get into the details on, on those later. Um, and, and But you've also done uh, some criminal justice reform for juveniles. Uh, could you talk briefly about that uh, in this segment, and then we'll, we'll talk more about the issues of pay equity, et cetera. So I've worked um, along, actually, with Jennifer. Um, I was the policy director for um, the Mississippi Youth Justice Project, which um, at that time was a project of Southern Poverty Law Center. And, um, and of course, um, our work was focused on, you know, juvenile justice reform in the state of Mississippi. And um, and we really did have a very um, integrated approach, which we still carry on right now as this integrative approach um, around advocacy and community organizing, um, and um, and also you know a legal strategy um, as well. And so all those things were integrated to really try to reform the state of Mississippi and and make bring some justice, um, bring justice to. Um, making sure that um, that young people who were incarcerated knew their rights and was protected and really had um, educational services. And so through the Mississippi Youth Justice Project and Southern Poverty Law Center, um, the work that we did in that organization was, you know, we were able to, you know, close down um, like Oakley training schools and some of those training schools that were really abusive um, to students in um, to, to to these young people. We were able to, um, and I'll you get Jennifer have, have an opportunity um, to talk about some of those prevention um, act. policy and legal angles to that, yeah. but also making sure that there was representation when these young people were um, giving their testimony. Um, that they weren't just doing that um, in silos without representation. Um, and also making sure that mental health um, um, services and educational services were provided and demanded that they be provided to young people. And so there was a lot of egregious things that was found um, as a result of the work that community was doing and the work that you know we were doing at Southern Poverty Law Center. Jennifer, you want to chime in? 
Yeah. Um, so as Sandra, as Cassandra mentioned, um, the work was a layered approach in that we had uh, the community organizing the um, policy, uh, excuse me, the legal piece in, in that, you know, um, me and uh, several other attorneys uh, went around the state representing um, young people, whether it was in a youth court hearing, youth being a tried as, tried as adults, or even uh, in um, due, due process hearings for, particularly for those most vulnerable of Mississippi's children, our children who are covered by the Individual with Disabilities Education Act. Um, but we also did the policy piece um, that led to the passage of um, two bills. Um, one was the Juvenile uh, Delinquency Prevention Act and um, then the um, Juvenile Reform Act, and I believe that was 2015, I believe. No, no, before then, because it had to be prior to 2008. Um, when I went back on active duty, but around that time, uh, we 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 were able to use the approach that we are um, using still today, as Cassandra said, to make sure that um, people who are impacted by policy are at the decision-making table, whether they are there in person or they are there represented um, by advocates um, such as Cassandra, such as myself, uh, so that impacted communities. Um, uh, perspectives are shared with the legislators. The legislators don't know what they don't know, and so making sure that those stories are told and the data sets, uh, factual data sets, are brought forward uh, is a key part of what we um, are trying to do. If you have a question for our guests on our topic today, our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing the work of the Black Women's Roundtable with its executive director, Cassandra Welchlin, and consultant Jennifer Riley Collins. We're learning about their work for economic justice, clinical engagement, and how they inspire leadership in Mississippians. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. 
It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as is all of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we're talking about the Black Women's Roundtable with our guests Cassandra Welchin and consultant Jennifer Riley Collins. It's, it is great to be uh, talking to uh, both uh, Cassandra Welchin and uh, Jennifer Riley Collins and, and the work that they've done has been impactful. And so your coalition's been successful in moving forward uh, Changes that affect many Mississippians. Can you talk about your work regarding women's economic security and the, the initiative you co-founded? Yeah, so the Mississippi Women's Economic Security Initiative, which is one of our programs of work, um, was co-founded actually with um, Carol Burnett in the Mississippi Low-Income Child Care Initiative. I actually uh, worked for the Child Care Initiative for probably 10 years organizing um, child care workers and um, and parents and, and demanding that um, the Department of Human Services um, are treating and putting those resources where they need to be in the hands of those particularly single moms that need access to child care so that they can go to work. Um, out of that organizing work, uh, we kept hearing from, you know, moms that they needed more than just child care to be economically secure. And, um, and so it was really important and, you know, as a value that I have that it was important that we center race and center gender. So often we can do this work and not, um, and, and, and we always have to do, you can't do work in the South, social justice work in the South, and not have a, um, a, a race lens. You just, ha I mean, that's just, that comes with the territory if you want to do good, productive, change, uh, reformative, uh, transformative work. But oftentimes we can do this work and not have a gender lens to it. And that's important because we understand where, who these issues are impacting when we talk about child care, when we talk about wages and housing and health care. And so these women were needing child care, and so we said, well, they said, well, we need more than just that. And so we was like, you know, it's, we need to really begin to think about putting together um, an initiative and a policy agenda that focuses specifically on women in, in the state of Mississippi and centering, making sure that we center um, black women. And so, um, and, so over the, and so what we did was we brought together a coalition um, of women um, who were leading their organizations um, and who were just leaders. And so we put this work together, put this um, meeting together, and we asked, you know, what would it look like to put to have an initiative that will center women at the policy table? And all these women came together, and this was in 2014, and they was like, yes, let's do it, and let's make sure we work at the intersections of race, gender, and economic justice. So we went around the state, and we um, had town hall meetings, and we asked just one question. And these town hall meetings were women, you know, that was across generations, that was across race, and we said, what do you need to be economically secure? And five things rose to the top, child care, wages, um, access to health care, better jobs, and domestic violence. From all of that, we actually began to, um, that made our policy agenda. And so for the last, um, since 2014, 
we have been moving the needle and and making sure that our legislators um, hear about what women need in order to take care of their households. And so what we've been able to do is from that we've been able to really focus on different buckets of work. Um, and we can talk about what those buckets of work. And, but our coalition is made up of over, you know, 40 organizations and women, and they have networks of, you know, hundreds of women as well. And so we have a real strong network of women um, leaders across the state that are committed to working with us to really move and to really increase women's economic security. Because what's important about this is that we know where poverty lies and poverty lies in households led by single single women. We also know that those children as well are being impacted. And um and we also know that, you know, who is take who are the essential workers when we talk about COVID, we're talking about women and we're also talking about black women at the center of this. And so this work is so incredible um important to what we're doing to really move women's economic security. And uh, Liz, we actually did a show on Billy Ledbetter, which was the case that dealt with pay equity. And one of the, the things that the, um, the roundtable has worked on is pay equity. Could you, could you talk about that work and why those changes uh, regarding pay equity and health care and, and workplace justice are so important uh, to the Mississippi workforce? Yeah, so the Women's Economic Security Policy Agenda is really laid out in a couple of buckets of work. And so pay equity is definitely one of those, um, raising the wages, increasing access and with, um, to health care. We're talking about maternal health care. We're also talking about, um, you know, increasing, you know, health care through Medicaid expansion and also workplace justice. So we're talking about um, child care, paid leave, sick leave, those kinds of things. And so that's the work that we've been working on. So pay, pay equity is one of those issues that um, the coalition has been working on, again, since 2015. Um, Mississippi is the only state in the country without an equal pay law. And what that means is that our households are hurting, our local economies are hurting, and the state economy is hurting, particularly when we talk about that 49 percent of the women in Mississippi workforce, 49 percent of Mississippi women make up the workforce. And so, and we are two-thirds of the minimum wage earners, so they're making $7.25. Um, and, you know, 70 percent of those women are, you know, in tip worker jobs. And, and so they are losing wages, and black women are making 56 cents on the dollar. White women are making 75 cents on the dollar. Latino women are making, I believe, uh, 56 cents on the dollar. And so we're losing wages. And over the course of a year, a woman can lose over 20-something thousand dollars. And that's a lot of money that can go towards you know, savings, can go towards rent, can go towards medicine, can go towards whatever she needs to take care of her household. But Mississippi is the only state without a law. And so we've been pushing for those things, and we have one of the widest wage gaps um, in the country. And so we've been committed to this issue here in the state of Mississippi. And when we talk about it, people are like, are you kidding me? Is Mississippi, we don't have a wage? Um, women are not, their wages are not protected? No. 
they're not. Yes, we have a federal law, and Jennifer can get into some of those, yeah. um, the legal angle to that. We have a federal law, but there's so many loopholes in that federal law that that it it has prevented the courts from giving remedy to women the way they need to have it. And so it's really important that these kinds of issues, that policy is made to protect women's wages. And we're talking about wage discrimination based on race and based on gender. And women, as I just said to you all, you know, women are being shortchanged as a result of this. And so next week there will be a hearing um, on, on Wednesday the 20th. Ninth, um, and that the Senate Labor Committee is hosting, chaired by John Horn. And Lily Ledbetter is actually, um, she's a partner with us in this work, um, and so she will be giving testimony um, on why this is important and, and what the economic impact is from a younger woman to an older woman because you'll never be able to recoup those wages in your retirement. And so let's get it on the front end for our younger women so that, one, they can stay in the state of Mississippi, right, and not transition to other states where their wages are protected. If Mississippi passed an um, equal pay law, $4.15 billion would go back into the state's economy. Poverty rate would be cut in half. So these are significant. This is really significant. So if, if I could just um, chime in on, um, you know, uh, in response to when people may say, well, you know, we have the federal law, because Andra mentioned the federal law, um, but the, the federal law actually um, offers, and uh, although we're grateful for it uh, so that there is some recourse, it actually offers um, some weak protection against wage discrimination, and uh, the women of the state of Mississippi should have the right uh, to bring a case in their own backyards. Again, as Cassandra has said, Mississippi is the only state that has not put in place uh, state legal protections uh, for gender wage discrimination. Um, other states have uh, taken the lead in addressing the, uh, the shortcomings that are in the federal law um, to ensure that women in their state, uh, very much like Mississippi, uh, where women are over um, half the workforce, have those protections. The EPA's um, prima facie standard requires that plaintiffs show that they're being paid uh, less. Um, they're, they're the once a prima facie claim is made, um, the burden then shifts to the employer to show that the wage differential is uh, made pursuant, one, to seniority, two, merit, three, a system uh, which merit, measures earnings, and four, a uh, differential based on any other factor other than sex. And so um, what is also limiting is the fact that um, once the woman has jumped through these uh, hoops in the um, federal law, that they're only entitled to two years um, back pay. Um, and, um, you know, particularly for a woman who is a, a senior professional, um, that impacts where that woman, you know, whether they're able to ever retire. And so we need to make sure that in the state of Mississippi, um, the women of Mississippi have um, a, a, a space at the table and have protections when they get to the table. You can email us your questions. The address for the show is legalterms at 
mpbonline.org. We're talking today with Cassandra Welchlin and Jennifer Riley Collins but their, about their work with the Black Women's Roundtable. We're talking about your rights, and your rights are determined by who creates our laws. I'm going to tell you how you can promote your rights next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you subscribe to our podcast. Remember, a podcast is just an audio recording. You can put a platform on your smart device. I happen to use Podcast Addict. I downloaded it to my phone. There's a plus button that takes me to a page to search for the kind of podcasts I want to listen to. Then I type in in legal terms in the search area, and it brings up our show. And then you just touch on the photo, and you can subscribe and be notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we're talking about the work of the Black Women's Roundtable, specifically including economic justice and uh, civic engagement with our guests, Cassandra Welchlin and Jennifer Riley Collins. Now, I want to tell you about a holiday that's coming up. You might not know it, but September 28th is National Voter Registration Day for 2021. Remember, you can't elect your representatives if you don't vote. So to get registered, you can find information at the Mississippi Secretary of State's website. That is sos.ms.gov. I'll have a link to that information on the information for this show that you can find on our website and on our podcast. And that's, a, that's also a great lead into uh, you know, our guests today who, who are working to impact legislation and to, to work with the legislature to get things changed. And so let's talk about what, what would make a good pay equity bill. There are a couple of things that will make a good uh, equal pay bill, and we know that there has been several um, pieces of legislation um, the last five years um, that has been introduced. And some of them have been strong and some of them have been weak. And But this is what we know will make a strong equal pay bill. Um, and the reliance on applicant salary history to set pay. So meaning, you know, preventing employers from requiring um, applicants to show their salary history and then basing that when they're hired, basing that salary, their salary on what they made previously. 
the reason why this is so important because we know that that helps increase the wage um, the rate the wage gap. Women are already not paid what they're supposed to be paid, and so if you take the last salary, then you're perpetuating the wage gap. So making so ending reliance on that. The other thing that will make um, a, a strong equal pay bill is to protect employees who discuss their their pay um, from retaliation. There are some companies that actually ban their employees from discussing their pay. Well, we know that's why the Lily Ledbetter um, Act um, is where it is now, and part of her story is that you know it was the U.S. Supreme Court versus you know. Um, uh, uh, Little that better versus Goodyear, and part of the issue there was that um, they were banned from discussing their their pay, and so as a as a result of that, you know, we want to be able to allow states allow employees to be paid fairly and to talk to their employees to resolve, you know, whatever is unfair and giving um, employees, employers an opportunity to correct those things. Uh, We don't want, you know, people to go to court. I think there's an opportunity for businesses to really do some internal work, to really do an analysis of where wages are. So I say that the other thing, again, is um, those two things are really important. And the other thing is protecting, you know, employees, um, um, black employees and other employees of color, and not just um, protecting them against their gender, but also race, because we also know that race plays a big part. You heard the data. You know, black women make 56 cents on the dollar. Um, Latino women and Native American women, you know, make um, between, um, you know, 58 cents and 60, 63 cents. And so making sure that we have a strong law that's inclusive, not just of, of sex, but also, I mean, of, um, not just of sex, but also of race. Those things are really so um, Let me really Let me important. add this, if, if, if I may. Um, so in, in addition to the transparency uh, piece that Cassandra talked about, uh, where employees have a right to discuss their pay uh, without fear of losing their job um, by being retaliated against, in, in addition um, to removing the uh, harmful use of salary history and adding in uh, additional protections, because as she has touched on, the uh, intersectional discrimination uh, based on race and gender. Um, because we, it is our position and uh, facts uh, bear out that this will increase this state's economy by $4.15 billion, that's with a B, dollars, we want you to know, we want the listeners to know that this is not anti-business because a, a good equal pay act would actually provide an employer uh, friendly rebuttable presumptions against liability if the employer conducts an equal pay analysis of their of their payrolls. Um, this presumption helps uh, to safeguard employers uh, who are already working to do the right thing, to take care of their employees. Um, uh, and so uh, this this makes sure that this this is employer friendly. 
uh, when we talk about um, pay equity in the state of Mississippi, uh, because we, we do have the equal pay hearing on the 29th, but there's also the uh, a, a matching minimum wage hearing on the 30th, and we're encouraging everyone to be at the Capitol Room 216 at 9 o'clock on the 29th and the 30th. Um, people may say, well, this is anti-business because it takes away from the employer uh, and the individual employee an opportunity to negotiate their salary. But we know that that is rhetoric um, that is uh, baseless in that an employee, uh, particularly a, a, a woman who is a, a uh, head of her household trying to uh, maintain a job so that she can take care of, of her children. We know that that is 50, that 51 percent of Mississippi's households led um, uh, are, are, are led by single women. I think I got that stat right. That's an unequal bargaining position. When you're the employer, you are not negotiating, particularly with the lower-level um, employees, the, the front-line employees. They do not have an equal bargaining position. And so we don't want to fall, as, as I say all the time, for the okey-doke. Um, equal pay uh, benefits the entire state, uh, the state's economy, and provides protection um, to women and their families. And so you, you mentioned some of the resistance that, that people raise. And what do you think the prospects are for an equal pay bill passing through the uh, Mississippi legislature? Yeah, we, we think this is, one, an incredible um, step one that we're having a public hearing i mean that's one an incredible step by itself to continue to raise the visibility um of this issue um and one of the things that we you know kept hearing and so one i'll say we count that as a win that we're having a hearing on these two important issues equal pay and you know minimum wage um but some of the things that we definitely are hearing um and have heard over the course of the year is that we have a federal law women have an opportunity if there's discrimination they can just go through that process well based on the stories that we have heard um and what we know you know again the federal law has created you know loopholes that continue to allow the wage gap to get wide and also where you know uh, women aren't able to uh, reclaim and recoup some of the wages that they actually um, deserve and so that's one of the things um, the other thing that we you know have heard is that this is a trial lawyers dream um, just meaning we're going to open up the floodgates for all these lawsuits you know to occur it's interesting that they start there instead of starting you know with how do we make sure that women are not their wages aren't discriminated against and we put in you know, um, some kinds of protections, I think, that Jennifer talked about that give employ employers an opportunity just to get it right. And so those are the two things that we have heard. And we also have heard that women should just go out and find jobs. You know, they should just go find jobs that pay a higher, higher wage, and that way they will, you know, um, they won't have this issue. Well, all of that is, is, is false. One, because women are segregated in jobs that um, are, you know, pay 
um, occupationally segregated. A lot of women are pushed into jobs that I call pink-collar jobs, you know, the jobs that most women go to, which are um, around, you know, health care, around, you know, teaching, they are, uh, or education. Um, they are also pushed into the service in- industry. Um, and so that's one thing. But also women are getting higher degrees than ever before, and it still doesn't close the wage gap. We know that. We know the data there. It still does not close the wage gap. And so there is discrimination that exists. And when you talk about women um, and what continues to perpetuate it, we're talking again about biases and stereotypes that exist. I'm sure people who are hearing this conversation on the radio can point to some experiences in their own employment um, in their own employment, um, whether that's in the past or whether that's current, there has been discrimination based on, you know, women's labor. And again, we talk about, you know, historically where women have been situated, you know, it's just been this idea, and particularly when you think about the South and, you know, how religion plays into about what a woman's role is. And then again, talking about or remembering our historical context in this country about even black women and what our role is and how we were shut out of opportunities. So all things are not equitable or equal, but we want to set it straight. And so um, so those are some of the things that we've heard and that is not um, – and it's not – and it's false. And we're setting the record straight and saying, you know, women are making are, – are, are working and they are getting higher degrees, but yet their wages are not reflective of what they should be. I also want to um, uh, flag something that Cassandra said to me in a, in a meeting the other day. Um, she said we need to connect the vote to the policy table, right, and that people understand that the vote is connected to the policy table. We know from the last few elections the power of the woman's vote, the power of black women's vote. And so in answering the second part of your question, do we think that it is possible that we could get this passed? Yes, we do. We believe that when um, women have their voices heard and um, we are confident that they are going to turn out and tune in to this legislative hearing and then have their legislators understand uh, and know that they're that they are demanding to be heard, we believe that we'll get this law passed. Um, I think uh, across the board, across all demographics, people are tired of the state of Mississippi um, being at the bottom, being the last. And so this is one thing that we should not be left behind in. Uh, we should not be left behind in legalized discrimination against uh, women in the, on the issue of uh, equal pay. Uh, and so we are confident that women voters will have their voice heard, that they will call their legislators, that they will uh, sign the petition or on uh, that you can find on Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable's um, um, website at www.msbwr.org. Sign that petition that they will um, uh, phone in and call and tell their legislator it's it's time in Mississippi. It is time for equal pay now. 
All right. We're going to take your questions by email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. How can you learn what's going on with your Mississippi legislatures? How can you watch your elected officials? I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.com. MPBonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. I hope you've got your paper and pencil ready so that you can jot down some important information. Well, one important piece of information is at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can listen to Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. We're talking today with our uh, friends from the... Black Women's Roundtable, Cassandra Welchlin, and their consultant, Jennifer Riley Collins. We're learning about their work, their advocacy for the rights for Mississippians. But if you want to keep tabs on what these elected officials are up to, one thing you can do is watch streaming of the committee meetings live. To find out what is being streamed, you can go to the legislature's website, that is legislature.ms.gov. They talked about a hearing on Wednesday the 29th in room 216. That's one of the rooms that is live streamed on YouTube. Uh, Cassandra, why don't you tell us a little bit more about where our listeners can find information about the Black Women's Roundtable and its cult in its um, uh, efforts we will be, um, folks can go to our website, 
um, msbwr.org, and they can pull down the petition. Um, they can learn a little bit more about the hearing. Um, we really want people to, you know, if you can, come to the room. Um, if you feel comfortable, you can social distance in the room, and you'll be able, which will be Wednesday, 9 p.m. in room 216. Um, you can go to our social media page. Um, because we want you to do that, and we also want you to sign our petition. So you go to our social media, um, MS Black Women's Roundtable. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter. And, um, and also um, you can go to our website as well and find the petition and the information on the hearing. And so, that, again, that's next Wednesday at 9 p.m. in room 216. And as Liz said, they will be streaming it. Um, live. Now that's Wednesday the 28th of September Correct. of 2021. Correct. And um, we don't have a lot of time. I wish we had more time, but um, could you talk about there, there are other efforts going on and obviously we don't have time to talk about all of them, but how do people get involved, for example, in uh, your work to expand healthcare? How can they help and how can they uh, be part of this process? Yeah, we actually have a um, we actually have a project called Community Voices, and with that project, um, people can again reach out to me at C W E L C H L I N at M S B W R, and it's actually um, a project that we're working to engage uh, Black and Brown women across the state of Mississippi to help understand what their experiences are with accessing health care. Um, so we really, and we're doing focus groups um, across the state to really hear what women are experiencing um, around access to health care. And so we would love to come to your communities um, and, you know, and, and really hear from you about what that um, what's going on in your community and your live experiences with accessing health care, and whether that's for young women around reproductive health age, older women, paying medical bills, all those things, we really want to hear from you. So they can reach out um, in that way um, at C-W-E-L-C-H-L-I-N at msbwr.org. And let me plug in, if you're not registered to vote, please participate in any uh, voter registration event that is happening on the 28th. The hearing is actually on the 29th. Please make sure that you um, register to vote at the National Voter Registration Day because, again, uh, the vote is connected to the policy table. Well, we're so excited to have you both on the show. And for folks who may have missed the beginning of the show, it is a podcast. It'll be on later this afternoon. You'll be able to find it on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Uh, Cassandra Welchin, thank you so much for being part of our show today. Thank you for having me. Oh, Jennifer Riley Collins, it's always a treat to have you back on our show. Thank you for participating with us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Thank you to Jay White and to Java Chapman for helping to get our show broadcast. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.